Hey, what's up? <laughs> I swear I can't really be serious. I can't take myself too serious, guys. Welcome to Still Searching Podcasts. It is I, your host, Joshua Trujillo. Man, I'm sorry, guys. I'm. I don't know what I'm doing. Shout out to Peace Five Eight Six. For the beats, old school ton of rat making making these breaks forever, man. I I, I love it. Um, this is my hip hop. This is my style of hip hop. Last week we had a we had that hyphy show, which was cool. Really enjoyed it. Shout out to Goalie, Dave, my boy Ray. But this is my vibe. This is what I'm into. I just. That's my thing. Uh, today we got a special show. I said on, on last week's episode, man, this podcast goes from righteous to ratchet from one week to the next. And I mean, that's really the case. I mean, if there's anything that you could say about me is that I'm righteous and ratchet. Shout out to Kev on stage and Doughboy. They have a podcast actually called righteous and ratchet so funny make sure you guys check them out look them up righteous and ratchet kev on stage shout out to them um kev on stage be helping me get through this uh pandemic with the comedy one of my favorite comedians all clean too all clean comedy well somewhat (laughs) um thank you guys again for tuning in um got a special show today it's back on that theology talk baby we go all over the place with this one, and then I have a, another guest in the in the uh, in the house today. First timer, my boy Alex is in as well, and we uh, have a conversation with um, the Reverend T. C. Moore. He's he's the official pastor of the Still Searching podcast, so we're gonna have him on all the time um, to talk about theology. Man, it's one thing I absolutely love to talk about is theology and God universe whatever you want to call it but i enjoy that we have a, a great conversation today we talk about the american church we talk about demons we talk about the new age to come which is already here but it's not fully here uh we talk about the pandemic we talk about the blood being on our hands in a lot of cases, so make sure you guys check out the show notes. I tag uh, some of the uh, the blog topics that we talk about that TC writes about in depth. And there's also some book recommendations um, in the notes, so check those out. Um, and hope you guys get a lot out of this podcast. Um, I really miss having more guests in here and having you guys on here. Um, you know, in due time though. But in the meantime, I'm going to try my best to put out some good content, just some good stories and encourage you guys in any way that I can. I know we're all just, you know, we're just hoping and waiting and just doing what we can to, uh, to get by. Um, I started a mental health group, obviously from the mental health, uh, podcasts a few episodes ago with Shelly. So we're going to be on our third zoom meeting 
this Thursday. So every Thursday at eight o'clock on Zoom, we have uh, the Oasis Mental Health Group. So check that out. Make sure you guys like and subscribe. Follow us on Spotify, on Apple, Google Podcasts, um, all the great places. Leave us a review. If you'd like to support, go to anchor.fm slash still searching. I appreciate all the love, guys. And um, let's jump into this episode with TC Moore and the and I'm sorry, my boy, Alex Martinez and the Reverend TC Moore. Shout out one more time to Peace586. He's coming on the show, too, as soon as this uh, pandemic Stay at home order is lifted. So, all right, guys, love you. Miss you guys. And uh, we'll catch you on the other side here. Hey guys, calling in from my phone. Just wanted to make an uh, an update. Um, I forgot to mention in the intro. I mentioned uh, in the episode of uh, a church where the uh, COVID-19 virus spread. Um, I had two stories in my head. I was thinking of a church in New York City that my dad had told me about that he knows of a pastor where it spread throughout the church. I mentioned a pastor in Southern California where um, they ended up having service anyway. Um, and I think I said that it spread in their church. Actually, his, the wife, uh, ended up catching the virus. It wasn't, I'm not sure if it spread throughout the church, but, um, the wife caught it. Nonetheless, doesn't change the fact that we need to stay at home and help flatten this curve. All right, guys, jump into the episode. And we are live. All right, so uh, welcome back to the Trap House virtually uh, via FaceTime audio. This time I'm making sure that we're recording from the very beginning and I'm watching the uh, soundboard all the way. So make sure I don't lose anything this time. Welcome back to the show, (laughs) TC Moore. What's up, brother? Pleasure to be here. Hey, what's up? Welcome back. I also got another homie back here. Uh, My my good friend uh, Alex Martinez is in the house. Say what's up, Al. What up, TC? <laughs> <laughs> and 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 the listeners. Yeah, uh, he's he's. Uh, you got to say what's up to the listeners too. Oh yeah, what's up, <laughs> listeners? Can't forget you guys. Without you guys, it wouldn't be possible. <laughs> well, um, here we are, man. We're we're a, we're a day, um, one day removed from Easter Sunday. How'd your Easter go, TC? How was service? Man, it was good. Um, man, I've been trying to adapt to this new new reality of church online. And I've been playing around with different technologies. Um, I really steered away from the, the Zoom thing. Yeah. And um, we've been doing broadcasts through Switcher. And so we record elements of the service, like the sermon and the um, musical worship. Yeah. But then my wife... Oshida, who's the community life pastor at Roots Covenant Church, my church, um, she presides live. So she she goes live and she'll interact with the commenters on Facebook and and she'll oh. just you know ho- like host the service. Yeah. So is your is yours pre recorded too? Your your uh, your portion of the message? 
Yeah. So I pre-recorded my sermon and um, we pre-recorded the musical worship. The rest is all live. Got you. Yeah. Nice. But Dude. we do, but we do a Zoom fellowship afterwards, kind of like coffee hour, you know, like yeah, everybody can kind of connect again yeah. and see each other's faces and and uh, have an interaction. Exactly, that's Dude. really important. So, um, for me, you know what, dude, I've been so uh, blessed, and I just been like, there's been so much good stuff coming out. You know what I mean? I think that because pastors and and even you, like you were putting out great stuff with, with midday prayers and. Mm-hmm. especially Holy Week. I think for me, Holy Week this year was like amazing because I realized like in times past, we, I just rushed, we just rushed to Sunday. We just rushed to Easter and, you know, we just have a good time and, and celebrate resurrection and all the, all the fun stuff without ever really, um, you know, just stopping to pause and reflect on everything else that leads up to it, especially Holy Week. So like you, I was following what you were putting out. There was like a couple of my other friends who were putting out stuff. And then I got inspired to do a, a, a Maundy Thursday communion. And it was like, yeah, I was, watched that. Oh, thanks, man. Dope. Thanks for watching. But, um, I just feel like, especially because of where we're at, like for, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I really enjoy yeah. seeing pastors and ministers like adapt on the spot in live time. Um, you know, evolve, you know, like you said, this is, this this is going forward. This is a, I think we're going to have to incorporate this, this element of going live and and streaming in general, you know? Yeah, I I completely agree. And I think that um, Jamie Smith, James K.A. Smith was talking about this on Twitter recently, that the fear for a lot of us pastors was that this online church phase that we're in right now, would lead to kind of a um, an anti-incarnational theology that we would start to, you know, get disembodied and we wouldn't have an embodied theology. Mm-hmm. But in fact, it has done the opposite. Right. It has really made us um, long for that embodied theology and try to find new ways to embody uh, our faith through these technological means. And I think that it's actually made the church um, – Think harder and and uh, theologize differently. Um, you know, here's an example. This is what I mean. What I mean is, I started seeing people talk about doing communion online. Yeah, it was a debate was, almost. Yeah, yeah, that was a debate for me. I was like, wait a second, hold on. Can you even do communion online? I was like, that's a weird theological puzzle, right? Because communion is about it's being together, yeah, right? Yeah. And so uh, I was talking to a couple of friends of mine that are priests and, you know, real sacramental. And I was like, what do you do when you're sacramental, but you can't be in the same room? And he was like, well, there is um, there is a spiritual communion. And I was like, what? What spiritual communion? <laughs> and he was like, spiritual communion is when you desire to take communion, but you but you physically can't. Hmm. And so all the benefits of communion are conferred to you uh Basically through the at spirit. a distance. Yeah. Through, through, through and I was like, Wi-Fi. wow, that's dope. So, so basically, I mean, you know, the, the Anglican tradition and probably the Catholic tradition too have already thought through these conundrums long time ago. But what we did at our church was kind of interesting. It was kind of a hybrid. It wasn't entirely disembodied because uh, my wife baked bread. I from saw a common that. Loaf. Yeah. That's beautiful. She and baked- you guys delivered it to the, to the people. That's right. 
We delivered it to the households of the church, so everybody was eating from a common loaf. When Dude, that's so dope. That's I have. So it was a little bit of that's yeah, next level, bro. Hybrid. Yeah. yeah, that's next level. That's like I haven't seen that at all. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun because um, we got to talk about what it means to be the body of Christ and to be actually, you know, though we are many, Paul says, we are one because we partake of the one loaf. Right. Did you guys do that on Zoom or was that part of the uh, um, online live service? No, we did that on Zoom. Gotcha. We did a Zoom. Yeah. So we could see everybody's faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I was helping my dad with his live service on Sunday and then I... I hopped in on the Zoom meeting with uh, with my boy Ryan at Mission Hills, and they did the same thing. It was a it was a face to face Zoom online communion communion deal. Yeah, man, so was fun. it was beautiful. Brought tears to my eyes, man. Yeah, man. So um, let's let's uh, let's uh, recap. So um, last time I had you on, we well we set it up as we definitely need to do a part two. So here we are. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> but um, we talked about. Um, your story um we talked about deconstruction and when mm. we had first talked about about uh doing a podcast together i really wanted to talk about like the american church um and how like our theology how we got our theology you know um I, my whole podcast is me about still searching right like i mm. i came to this realization that, like man what I what do I believe? Like, why do I believe this? And where why mm-hmm. you know where did this come from? And I come to find out it's just a hodgepodge. Uh, it's like a big gumbo of like theology <laughs> that I grew up believing. You know, and I never hey, don't really, just gumbo, man. I love gumbo. Gumbo's I love. Gumbo. I'm just saying it's a big. It's a you know. It's a little bit of this, some of this, some of that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so um, we wanted to get into that, but then my I my I sent uh, actually I think I sent Alex. I sent you a a video of TC. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is cool. I like this dude. I'm like, oh, well, check out this podcast I did with him. And then I sent you the podcast and you listened to it. Yeah. And um, you were like, dude, this dude is is blowing my mind. And he's like, I want to, you know, you were just talking about it. I was like, well, let, let, let's get him on again. And I think I sent you, TC, I sent you a screenshot of the text, I believe. Maybe maybe mm-hmm. it was a message or something. So so here we are. So Alex was like, man, he was uh, he was a listener who was just like, um, just blown away. Now, now, Alex, let me let me introduce you a little bit. This dude's a crazy dude. All right, this dude is nuts. He's looking, at me, <laughs> but he, he's he's the homie. So you were actually one of my youth pastors when I was a teenager, right? Way back in the day. This was like uh, late nineties. Yeah, about ninety, early two thousand, ninety seven, ninety seven, ninety seven to like through ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, it's a couple of years. Yeah. And Alex has his own story, man. He's come from all kinds of stuff, and um, but Alex originally. So I think I mentioned to you, TC, that I'm we're part of this like a uh, Bible study of like old school cats that we grew up with in in church, and Alex is in that thread. So Alex kind of uh, he's always like a, a seeker, a learner. He's always questioning things, but um, don't take this the wrong way, Alex. I'm not. We're not trying to gang up on you in any way. But I feel like we're uh, some of the things that are, are that you still maybe believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to like you know assume anything. Um, it's just some of that old school stuff that we were just taught. You know what I mean? Um, so wh- how do you feel about that? Is that you? But you're still always learning. That's why I like I always like chopping it up with you because you're thinking of this, some of that, and 
actually in the last group text, you were like, has anybody ever been to like a, a, a Methodist church or, or you were naming a bunch of different denominations. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. With the, um, like, like you were saying, Josh, with the, um, the hodgepodge of theology, you know, I, I haven't been in church per se faithfully in, in years. So I always assumed, okay, what I learned, Mm -hmm. this is what it is. Yeah. Now coming back recently, God's been doing stuff in my life in the past couple of years. But even at that time, I was having, you know, I was having bad experiences at certain churches I was going to. So I started um, recently just rethinking my theology because I'm like, wait a minute. Hmm. This doesn't mm. make sense. This made yeah. sense to me 20 years ago, I guess, because I heard it over and over again. Now that I'm older and, and you know, gone through a lot more stuff, and it's like, wait a minute, this doesn't really makes sense and when i go back and i ask not so many not really pastors but just you know some of the guys of the faith like you were saying josh yeah. some of the old school guys they don't really even have an answer for me and it's kind of more mm-hmm. just like well this is the way things are you know yeah yeah I, I think i mentioned i'm not sure if i mentioned on on the show or not but it's like those those are the homies because we grew up together yeah you know what i mean like my cousin runs it and my cousin is like my brother. Like, you know, I'm an only child and he's like my, we grew up together like since we were babies, right? That's like my closest family memory. He's like a brother. But I completely disagree with almost 90% of their yeah. theology. <laughs> so, um, TC, so even the other day, I think it was, was a good Friday. We were in this group chat and, and they were like, oh, you know, praise God for Donald Trump. This is the first time they're praying on Good Friday and he's invoking what? the name of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And all that stuff. And then I responded back. I'm like, bro, don't get duped or something to the effect of don't get duped, bro. He's just pandering to uh, naive evangelicals or something like that. Right. <laughs> and it just set off this whole thing, bro. And eventually I was just like, bro, I'm, I'm just going to check out, you know. So, um, yeah, man. So that's just let let's uh, let's talk about it. <laughs> well, I'll start with saying that, you know, I came to faith through the Pentecostal tradition. And I was immersed in that world for many, many years. And even though I was encouraged to think critically by some pastors, other pastors acted as if uh, the Pentecostal tradition was the one true church and everybody else was wrong. You know, and if you ventured outside of that tradition, you basically were an apostate, you know. Um, I remember this one instance when, I was talking to another um, Pentecostal and he was talking about, he was talking bad about Baptists. And he said, those Baptists, those Baptists teach the doctrines of devils. And I was like, what are you talking about, man? Like there's basically no difference between Pentecostals and Baptists except for speaking in tongues. I was like, it's basically the same thing. (laughs) You mentioned that on the first, on the first one. yeah, Yeah. And I was like, how, how on earth can you dismiss an entire tradition that's very diverse. Like there's lots of different types of Baptists and you're just dissing all Baptists. <laughs> it just made no sense to me. I was like, they're basically the same as us minus the speaking in tongues and even some Baptists speak in tongues. So that's crazy. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, so part of my deconstruction actually came from ecumenicalism. I started to explore the many traditions in the Christian faith and see beautiful aspects of all of them. You know, like I remember being told, like, you know, Catholics are are wrong about this, this and this and this. 
But the more I would look into Catholic theology, the more I would see beautiful things that I really admired. Same thing with Methodists, same thing with Presbyterians, um, just on down the line. Of course, you know, you, you chew up the meat and you spit out the bones. Like there's stuff that I disagree with too. But it's just like recognizing that the Christian faith is so Bruh. vast and diverse, you right. know? And still like realizing that, yeah, we're still part of the body. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Even though yeah. we think, oh, well, they might be wrong <laughs> on this or that. And I think the more you learn about church history, too, you, the more you learn that, like, you know, we we all come from a common branch, a common root, you know, and just recognizing that um, we're part of this big tree called Christianity that has many branches, but we're united by the same the same faith in Christ. And um, I don't know that I think the more I learned about church history and the schisms and the divisions over minutia um, and sometimes really important things too, but it just gave me more insight into my own faith. Mm. Right. Right. So that's dope. Um, I, I specifically wanted to talk about our fascination as Amer the American church with like this idea that God is like, we're a Christian country. Like, what does that Oof. even mean? What does that even mean, you know? Or, and and our fascination with like um you know, just the whole American brand of Jesus. Yeah. It just Oh man. Woo. So <laughs> I could talk about this all day, man. This is this is one of my pet peeves. Um so I think it was Greg Boyd who said this. I'm not sure. It might have been somebody else, but they said there's no such thing as a Christian nation. That's like talking about a Christian bicycle, you know, like <laughs> that's, that's an oxymoron. Like you can't have a Christian nation. Nations aren't Christian. Um, to be Christian means to be a follower of Christ and nations don't follow Christ. Not, not modern nation states. Yeah. Um, we're not talking about ethnos, not talking about ethnic groups, talking about modern nation states like the United States of America couldn't, couldn't possibly be a Christian nation if it tried right. and it isn't. So it's just kind of a weird thing that people say makes no sense. Um, I mean, it's, you might it, but say, you know what, but they say it, but it's so ingrained. Yeah. Like, I mean, they really believe it like, yeah. like, Oh, but we're a Christian nation. We're supposed to be, uh, you know, praying and, uh, you know, Jeremiah 29 and you know, all this stuff. <laughs> Man, I used to be a youth pastor in New Orleans, and my youth group was crazy diverse, like mid-city New Orleans, right? I had like Latinos, African-Americans, Asians in my youth group. It was very, very diverse. And the pastor was white. And one time he said something to me about this being a, a Christian nation. And I said, what do you mean by that? <laughs> and he said, well, it was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. And I said, name one. Name one Judeo-Christian principle that the United States was founded on. And he said justice. I was like, are you crazy? How could you say the United States was founded on justice? Have you heard of slavery? Have you heard of Native American genocide? Where was the justice then? Yeah. I mean, right. I just I just I, I yelled at him. He was my he was my boss too, but I was just like, Are you crazy? How could you even say justice and with a straight face? You know, like <laughs> yeah. justice? For who? Yeah, yeah. For exactly for who? Because we we know that a lot of people of certain skin colors and do not get justice. 
Yeah. Our, I mean, even when the Constitution was written and it was talking about, you know, white, all men created equal. It was talking about it white freemen. It was talking freemen. about all men. Yeah. Right. If I can recommend some resources, here's some books that have really, really, um, I think, informed my faith and continue to challenge me and and press on me this um, this idea that uh, the United States is not a Christian nation. Um, starting with, I'll, I'll put out there, Myth of a Christian Nation by Greg, Greg, Boyd. Greg Boyd. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent book. I right. mean, just right off the bat, that one will just knock that out of your head. But Another one that's really good is um, 12 Lies um, by Jonathan Walton. I'm trying to think of the subtitle. I'll pull it up right now. The first two two words of the book are 12 Lies. I reviewed it on my blog, so I I read the book thoroughly, and I I wrote about it. But it's 12 Lies or 12 Myths. No, no, no. 12 Lies. Yeah, 12 Lies That Hold America Captive. I think that's the subtitle. And that's by – Jonathan, Jonathan Walton. Martin. Walton. Walton, yeah. Okay. Jonathan Walton is a intervarsity director in New York. He's African-American. I think he's from Virginia, but he lives in New York City now. Great book. It's about, it's about 12 myths that, um, that really control people's narrative about America, one of them being that America is a Christian nation, right? That's one of them. Um, but there's a lot more. And he just knocks them down one by one beautifully. It's also interwoven with his story of coming from Virginia to New York and the, you know, just the experiences he's had as, a, as an African-American man in this country. Excellent book. Another one that I just finished reading that's fantastic is Unsettling Truths. Have you heard of this book? No. Unsettling Truths is by Dr. Sunshan Ra and Mark Charles. Mark Charles is a Native American theologian and Sunshan is a... Uh, is Korean American. Oh, I think you, was actually. I think you yeah. mentioned this on the first the first show. I might have. I just reviewed it on my blog, um, and fantastic book. It's going to deconstruct all that nonsense about Christian nation and yeah, yeah. You know what's funny though, that I found just so interesting, TC, that this last like couple of weeks is like, um. Well, number one, actually a couple of things. One of them was saying, this is the first time in history that the church is not going to be able to meet and have celebrate Easter in church. <laughs> I, was, I was like, what? No. You you obviously don't know the history of this incredibly long, complicated story that we're a part exactly. of. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, the other thing was like, oh, you know, they're not going to stop me from going to church. And, you know, we're the church. We need to rise up and we're going to have service anyway. Right. And I'm like, they, 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 I, well, let me tell you a specific thing that happened. Okay. There was this, um, pastor, this is like when it first started to happen, like right before we got our state, you know, recommendation to stay at home orders or whatever they're calling it. Mm-hmm. Um, this pastor goes on Facebook and says, you know, we reviewed and we've been listening and reading all the reports and reading all the stuff from the professionals and, we come to the conclusion that it's in the best interest that we continue to have service and we're going to be here and we're going to be praying, laying hands on people and, you know, binding, you know, the sickness and, and all this stuff. And then I'm like, I was talking to my dad about it. I'm like, this, they just, it's, it's coming from like this. It's almost like they're just so arrogant, you know, like they're just above everything. Like they, it doesn't apply to them. And so, Long story short, um, like 
it started spreading through the church. You know, people started people started catching people started catching uh, you know started catching it. So yeah. and obviously they stopped doing that. So, but um, it's just it just kind of blows my mind. You know, have you yeah, seen did, that? Did you see the Did you see the clip of uh, I think it was CNN had a had a article on um, a church in Ohio that kept meeting. And they showed this video of the reporter interviewing people as they were leaving church. Oh, yeah. The lady. Yeah, the lady. Yeah, the lady was like, I'm covered in the blood. I'm covered in Jesus' blood. Yeah. And, man, I just – I had to write something. So I I wrote a piece (laughs) on my blog about that because I was like, man, you're going to be covered in blood, but it's not going to be Jesus' blood. It's going to be your neighbor's and your friend's blood. (laughs) Oh, man. Dude, I got a link to that article. I haven't read it yet. I got to read it. I I think it – I think it's a combination of several things. Number one, anti-science bias. So ever since the Scopes Monkey Trial, there's been a split in the United States between what are called modernists and fundamentalists. Um, And with that split came a very strong anti-science bias. Um, And so you have people that are rejecting modern science, you know, the theory of evolution, people that reject vaccines, people that reject, you know, modern medicine in other ways. Um, and then that is combined with a sort of martyr complex that certain political uh, parties are capitalizing on right now, which is to say, oh, the church is persecuted in America. You know, the liberal establishment wants to snuff out the church. And so they're using this virus to, um, <laughs> you know, eliminate worship in the, in the country. Right. And it's just, it's, so it's a combination of a martyr complex and this anti-science bias. And I think that's at the root of it. You know what, you know what I've been saying to that people who, cause I, I've been, you know, as you know, I'm still in a lot of these same fundamentalist circles and I'm telling them, okay, even if what you're saying is true, right. The new world order order is rising up to vaccinate everybody and control us <laughs> and force mark of the beast and all this stuff. Right. Even if it yeah. were true, it doesn't change the fact that we're still going to be faithful to Jesus. And that's actually when we are at our best and our strongest. Exactly. Yeah. If, if, if we were to really pay attention to, to the history of the, you know, the, this, this Christian faith. That's right. That's right. I think something that you keep alluding to that maybe we haven't made completely obvious is there's a, there's a major historical shift in the fourth century that people don't quite understand that up until 312 uh, the yeah, church was a per- yeah the church was a persecuted minority it, it went through phases of sort of like indifference from the roman empire to phases of intense persecution and martyrdom um, up until 312 and then with the edict of milan you have the beginning of a shift towards the church establishing power and political prestige and wealth. And that totally shifts the, the character of the church. By, the church by, goes from being by colluding with empire, being powerful. Exactly. By colluding with empire. And so now you, you've handed the keys to the kingdom to this ragtag group of people that have, that have been, you know, hunted down and killed. And so now they're like, they're wealthy. They have buildings and they have, you know, prestige and they're invited to councils by the emperor. And so all of a sudden the rhetoric shifts Mm. and it's no longer the evil empire. Now it's the, the Holy Roman empire. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and you have Eusebius, you know, writing glowingly about Constantine, right? Constantine is like the next thing to Jesus. Right. And before that, every emperor was, you know, the, the beast. The you know, beast, be was, beast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you have this huge shift in the fourth century. And ever since then, we have something called, called Christendom. Christendom is the unholy marriage of church and empire. And only until recently in the West has Christendom begun to, uh, to crumble. Hmm. You know, in the West, it's like we're, we're, we're entering into or have just entered into a phase that people are calling post-Christendom or post-Christian. And so now we're returning to a kind of mode of operations that's more like the pre-Constantinian era or the pre-Christendom era. Right. But that's an important thing that a lot of people don't understand is that the church didn't already, didn't always operate from a place of power. The church for the first three, 300 years operated from a place of powerlessness. Right. Right. I mean, the, and, and that's where I where like where we are here with us, with the American church is like we're, we think we think like these are one in the same. The, the, the power of or the freedom and power that supposedly the United States gives us as the church, like, you know, like, oh, like this is being infringed upon now all of a sudden, like, oh, okay, now the world is ending. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. like, bro, we need to get back to just faithfulness to, to the, to the Jesus way. I think it's what you referred to it in our first episode. Absolutely. The Jesus way. Yeah. Before, before Christians were called Christians, they were called followers of the way. And mm. Jesus said, I am the way. And so, you know, theologians like like Richard Twiss have referred to his faith as the Jesus way. And the right. Jesus way is, incarnates itself in every culture differently. Uh, it's not like the Western Christianity of Christendom. It looks different. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I tell that to people who, you know, I have a lot of friends who are, really really strong donald trump supporters and want to build walls and and you know get brown people out of our country and back to <laughs> and you know i just remind them like you know what if you were born in north korea what if you were born mm. in in you know what i mean in in juarez mexico or wherever you know mm. what i mean it's like yeah as a follower of jesus that's the main thing right that's the main thing i always try to t- tell people that are believers like as a follower of Jesus that supersedes any national boundary made up right. lines and actually those brothers and sisters that were persecuting there there are brothers and sisters <laughs> because mm-hmm. there is no more there is no more you know this or that Greek. Jew or Greek yep. male female it's, right. it's we're all brothers and sisters we're all one that's so right. that's one of the main things I try to remind people who are really staunch you know, um, pushing these policies that, you know, uh, tear families apart and, and bring harm for the sake of making our country great. You know, we got to be reminded of that. That's why I like to ask people when they say, you know, we're doing this and we're doing that. I like to say, who is we? Who is the we that you're talking about? We, are you talking about the United States of America? Who is this we you speak of? Right. Because when the United States of America does something, I don't include myself in that. We. Yeah. My first and foremost identity and allegiance is to the body of Christ, to Jesus Christ. And so 
like you said, it, you know, the body of Christ is transnational. The body of Christ is multi-ethnic, multicultural. The body of Christ is diverse, and it doesn't bow down to the powers, doesn't bow down to any powers, no flags, no tanks, no institutions. Yeah. It is, it is a movement of the spirit, and it's a movement that unites people across all of these artificial boundaries that the world erects. Hmm. Hmm. So good. Alex, you got anything you want to add in there? You got any questions? His, his head is like, he's, I can see he's just, the gears are just turning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got it. Well, I kind of got a, uh, a comment to add to that. Just like Josh was saying, or, or both of you were saying how, you know, you ask, can you hear me better? Yeah, there you go. Okay. You ask, uh, anytime a believer says we, you know, oh, we're doing this, we're doing that. I, I, when I ask a lot of believers that are on that same trip, when they, you know, they start making that claim that, oh, this is a Christian nation, I ask them about the, uh, all the occult imagery in the history, you know, all the Freemason mm-hmm. stuff. Mm. You know, I ask them about the, um, you know, that phallus symbol that we have in, uh, what is it, the Washington Monument. Mm-hmm. What's up with that? They got a fascination with, uh, yeah, with, dongs. Yeah, exactly. You'll, you'll find that you'll find that thing too, also in other parts of the world, yeah. including the Vatican, London, and um, and they don't have an answer for that, you know. And I'm like, okay, and see, that's that's one thing, TC. When I was away from the faith, if that's what you want to call it, when I wasn't plugged into the church, I was searching, and I started mm-hmm. um, studying occult knowledge to a certain extent. Not that I was looking to become a pra- a practitioner or anything but you know I wanted to know because I'm I'm looking around as I'm getting older and I'm looking at all these symbols and I'm thinking wait a minute this is this is the same stuff that I'm reading in some of these books like how you know I mean including with the stuff on the money on our uh, currency and I'm like mm-hmm. how can this be christian I if, if I can I maybe attempt to answer that uh-huh. TC um I don't know Go maybe if you, you feel if I'm I feel like we're just copycats of the Roman Empire mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. you know with like the imagery the symbols um I feel like the forefounders are like you know they were looking back at a lot of those old systems mm-hmm. and writers um Hellenistic you know imagery and, and Roman imagery it, it, do you think is that am I a little accurate or am I way off TC what do you think no, you're not way off. Um, the 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 quote unquote founding fathers were drunk on the Enlightenment. Right. Mm-hmm. They they were absolutely caught up in this this new wave of reason and intellectual um, liberation from tradition, particularly from religious tradition, and uh, they were eclectic in their collection of wisdom sayings and. Um, all kinds of traditions, like Masonic traditions. And, um, you know, what's interesting is that the Enlightenment saw themselves as ushering in a new, a age, new age of humanity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it says on the dollar bill, Novus Ordo Seclorum, a new order of the ages. And so they believed that they were ushering in the new age of the world, not 2,000 years ago with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
which, which that, was the new the new age that had exactly yeah if you're a christian you believe that jesus ushered in the new age that jesus is the one aka on whom, the the kingdom yeah the actually, kingdom of heaven exactly yeah jesus talks about the kingdom of god and paul refers to that as the the age to come breaking into the present age into or the, the old age yeah and so if you're a Christian, you believe that the new age broke into this world 2000 years ago, not in the 1700s with, uh, you know, the, the uh, revolutionary, yeah. yeah, the revolutionary war and with the enlightenment, um, with science and with reason and all those things. That's the, that's the kind of inebriation that the, uh, the quote unquote founding fathers were, were drunk on. It was, it was intellect. It was reason. It was, you know, science and, um, and they had a sort of a mysticism about it too, the Masonic sort of mysticism, and that's where the sort yeah. of that occult stuff he's talking about, the the mysticism yeah. aspect of it. But none of that would qualify as Christian, you know, by <laughs> any standard, <laughs> right? Yeah. None of it, and also the, um, you know, the uh, a lot of these founding uh, these forefathers were uh, were Masons themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and deists, yeah. Yep, and Deus. So they believed in a creator of some kind, mm-hmm. but he's not involved in our daily lives. He's not right. at work. Right. He's not involved in the in the ongoings of what's happening of down history. here. Yeah. 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 They believed that what they were doing was the most impactful thing in history, not what Jesus did 2000 years ago. Right. If if so if they even believe that yeah, so I so I don't see how that qualifies as Christian. Hmm. Straight up. Straight up. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Alex? He's thinking about something else too. He's I'm looking at him, T C his his mind's going. Here's another thing I wanted to ask you, T C. I know you had mentioned in the first um on the first uh episode. Yeah, talk about that because you, you said that like, man, I wanna you had some stuff that you were like, man, I want to ask him about. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about. Well, let me let me. Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll in a nutshell, I'll, I won't. Okay, I've had a lot of experiences, like supernatural experiences, ever since I was <laughs> about two years old. Okay, with seeing like demonic stuff, and and even from then, when I got older, when I was a teenager. I hung around with gangs. Uh, I started going to a church at actually about 10 or 11 years old. I started going to Pentecostal church. I got saved. Obviously, I fell away. Uh, started hanging with the gangs, 12, 13 years old. And I was involved in a lot of um, a lot of violence. I had a lot of my friends being killed. This was like early 90s, late 80s. Mm-hmm. And I remember calling upon the name of Jesus and time and time and time again, and I mean, this went all the way up to my adulthood. I mean, even as recent as like, I would say my last experience when actually somebody tried to kill me was probably as recent as like maybe five years ago, four or five years ago. Wow. And each and every time that where I thought I was going to be a goner and I kept calling upon the name of Jesus. Now, I wouldn't see anything like, manifest physically but i wouldn't get hit with the bullets um there was times where i was fighting this one guy trying to shove a knife in my mouth got the best of me 
called upon the name of the Lord. Boom. I was able to take the knife away from him. So I, I kept having all these reoccurring um, uh, situations, you know, even one where I don't really share this with a lot of people because I know it kind of sounds nuts. So you're just going to put it on the podcast. I'm going to go ahead and put it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling comfortable now. So <laughs> Let's just so, keep this between us three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> We're not on the mic. Yeah. It even got to the point where, and, and this took years and years, I mean, to actually set in and really figure it out. Like, is this? did this really happen? Where, let's just say a certain cult was actually after me and trying to set me up and they even attempted to take my life a couple of times i mean to the point where they even at a home i was living at they even sacrificed a dog and now here's the thing anytime i've shared this with any um any believer you know to try to kind of get some clarity or or, or maybe to kind of see if okay maybe you, you know my story can relate to your story they all look at me like i'm nuts you know, and he, even even during that time, like in the short time that I was in the ministry, I would come across people that were uh, demon possessed. And I mean, mm. they start manifesting and stuff. Now, I didn't have any training, any kind of deliverance ministry. So I would just try to go at it, you know. And um, I mean, it didn't turn out well. These, these, these guys would run from me and stuff. <laughs> but I mean, I know what I really saw. You know what I mean? I wasn't high. I wasn't drunk. None of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you ever... Because I, I remember you mentioning uh, that you had a, 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 a sort of a supernatural experience when you were 16 that somebody gave you a word of knowledge. And oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean. Oh, yeah, for sure. Do you, do you run into that? Do you ever run into certain believers that have those stories? Because oh, I, I find it hard to relate to, to a lot of people when I sh- And it's gotten to the point where I don't even, it seems like, and I'm not trying to prejudge or anything, but it, sometimes it seems like the person or that I come across that has been in the church the longest, I won't even really talk about that stuff. Cause they'll just kind of, just kind of shut it down or, or, you know, they'll just look at me like, Oh, I don't know. You know, I, I've never been through anything like that. Alex, you aren't saying anything that I haven't heard before. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I came to faith in the Pentecostal tradition and I have seen some, some things that I can't quite explain. Uh-huh. And I have heard stories upon stories upon stories. In fact, um, one of my professors in Bible college, uh, she led a deliverance ministry in Guyana, okay. uh, South America. Ooh. And I mean, the stories she told were bone chilling, you know, people levitating, people with like supernatural strength, you know, strength, like little girls that can like throw a man across, across, right. the room, you know, and, um, I think you, I think you're familiar with Greg Boyd, uh, who's a pastor here in St. Paul, you know, he's personally witnessed deliverances. Um, he's talked about that openly he he once did a podcast episode with NT Wright and Richard Beck which is fantastic. If you haven't if you haven't heard this podcast episode, it's it's incredible. Like um Richard Beck wrote a book called um uh Reviving Old Scratch. It's about the devil and it's about understanding um the demonic, mm-hmm. understanding the satanic and um he was interviewed by um by uh, Trip Fuller. Trip Fuller has a podcast called Homebrewed, right? Home, Homebrewed Christianity. Yeah. yeah, and I was there live. It was in Malibu. Um, N.T. Wright was there. Greg Boyd was was there. Greg Boyd told a story. Oh about yeah, a young, yeah, yeah, yeah. Young this was girl. a couple years ago. Yeah, he told a story about a young girl 
who was demon-possessed, and she was trying to cut her own head off with barbed wire. Jeez. Yeah. He was like, I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes. Wow. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the bottom line is I think this stuff is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think there is a spiritual realm um, that we we don't totally understand, and sometimes it manifests in very scary ways, and we don't have control over it. Um, I think that we do our best as, as believers to put our faith in Christ. And like you said, call upon the name of Jesus, but nobody is like out here, like the exorcist, you know, just like I have the formula. And, you know, if you say this the right way and sprinkle holy water, I don't, I don't know if that works. Right. (laughs) I I don't think there's a formula for, uh, for this stuff. Like, I mean, even Jesus, you know, his disciples were trying to cast out demons and Jesus was like, well, yeah, you know, some of them, they don't come out without prayer and fasting, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's, yeah. So it's like, you know, hit or miss. Um, I also think that the demonic is not just personal, Mm -hmm. but also systemic. And I think that a lot of Pentecostals don't, extrapolate their experiences of the personal demonic into the systemic and understand that that systems can be possessed as well right there are demonic demonically possessed systems in our world mm. uh, governments and and institutions and um, they just think of the demonic as purely like there's individual demons and that's it right um, but I think it's both and and some of the work that's helped me understand this is uh, Walter Wink's work Walter Wink has a series of books on the powers, uh, understanding the powers. I think um, uh, naming the powers is one of them. Fantastic books. Um, And there's even a Four Views book. There's like a Zondervan Counterpoints books on understanding the supernatural, I think. Or it's called Spiritual Warfare. And it's got Wink and it's got Boyd and it's got uh, a few other folks. I can't remember who else is in it. But um, really good, like comparison, side by side view. But I don't think you're crazy at all, man. I, I I've seen some some stuff and experienced some stuff. You know, when I was 16, I was in a car accident driving drunk, and I you know hit a telephone pole doing like 40 or 50, and I remember vaguely, kind of in in you know in in jumbled pictures. I remember sitting on the curb and and kind of contemplating my life and thinking about life and death. And, um, this cop car pulled up and the, you know, the cop got out and looked at me and looked at the car. And I remember him saying something like, you shouldn't be alive. Like, there's no way you should, you shouldn't have flown through the windshield. And I probably should have, but I didn't. And I wasn't wearing a seatbelt or anything. And, um, you know, looking back on that part of me wants to rationalize it away and say, oh, there's all kinds of physics and reasons why that didn't happen. But another part of me says, man, in the moment. And even years later, I just knew that, like, for some reason, I was protected. Mm-hmm. And right. um, it was it was miraculous to me. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that a part of us as a culture, a part of us as a people want to rationalize away miracles. And a part of us wants to cling to the belief that miracles exist. And it's just a constant tension that we live in, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, in, in your opinion, do you do you believe the stuff I've been through? has to do with possibly part of my calling, my purpose in Christ? Sure. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I wonder sometimes if some people are more predisposed to, to be 
aware of or sensitive to the spiritual realm and some people are not. Maybe it's just the way we're wired, you know? Right. Like like my wife and I are wired very differently. She's very em, em, uh, empathetic, you know, and I'm very cerebral. Mm-hmm. And so we we approach things differently. Mm-hmm. Maybe you are maybe you're wired in such a way that you kind of naturally lean into that spiritual realm that and that and that may be why you're so sensitive to God's God's leading in your life. I don't know. Yeah, because as a as a child, well, when I started going to church, ten or eleven, I started um, looking into stuff like with uh, like black magic and, but not mm. so much like into the like I said, not not so much as a practitioner, more along the lines of okay, uh, the Bible says don't do this or 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 you know uh, we'll talk about you know witches and stuff, and so I went to see what some of the stuff what they believe you know, through little books or whatever, little pieces of information I can get a hold of uh, through the local library at the time. And I would come across some of these people and I would witness to them. And it was, yeah, it was just so weird. And during that time, that's when I started having all this, um, all these crazy experiences with like demons popping up in my room, stuff waking me up and all this, you know, that whole sleep paralysis thing. Can I say something about all this? <clears throat> I'm 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 more of like a uh what's the word? I'm trying to figure this out. So, TC, what is like when we talk about demons and like the demonic and is that just remnants of the old age because obviously like for me, I I like when people are like, "Oh, the devil's like attacking me," right? I'm like, "Bro, it's just it's it's you. Like keep your dong in your pants." Like you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you, you're putting like so much, uh, you're giving, you know, the devil or whatever, uh, so much credit, like dog, it's self-control too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then when, when, like, I believe in miracles and, and like incredible things happening that we can't explain. And I, how I reason with it is it's, you know, it's the already not yet, right? It's God's kingdom. Mm. It's God's kingdom that was initiated. It's here, it's coming, but it's not fully here yet. So sometimes we right. get these overlaps, uh, and, you know, where God's realm or domain interacts with ours. And mm-hmm. that's a miracle to me. Right. So what is it when we hear about like the, the demons and like all that stuff? Is that just remnants of this old way that's that still is still sort of here? Yes, absolutely. Um, I like the way that N.T. Wright describes it. He calls it like the death throes of the enemy, sort of like the enemy's been defeated, but the enemy has not been completely vanquished. So mm. he talks about mopping up operations. There's there's an analogy that a lot of people have used, not not just N.T. Wright, but um, think about World War II, right? You have a gap between what's called um, VE Day, Victory in Europe Day, and D-Day. D-Day mm. is when the allied forces won the decisive victory in the war the war that turned the the, the battle that turned the tide in the war right mm. so the war was effectively over on d day but ve day is the day when the war was officially over so there's a gap there's mm. a time in between right. d day and ve day right right and and that's sort of analogous to the time we live in now we live in between the time when the enemy has been defeated by the death and resurrection of jesus but the kingdom has not been fully established as in the second coming. So we live in that in-between time, the overlap of the ages. 
Right. And so in that overlapping of the ages, you see the, the enemy still in the death throes, still grasping at power, still trying to, you know, drag some people to hell uh, in the midst of this of his kingdom being defeated. Right. And at the same time, like you said, we also see the kingdom breaking in. We see glimpses of the new age to, to come, come breaking into the now. So we see miracles and we see healing and all that. But it's yeah. like it's like a mixture of it, you know. Yeah. And it actually this this touches on something that I've been thinking a lot about lately. Since we're in this pandemic era, you know, this raises a lot of questions about the problem of evil. Well, mm -hmm. how can God be good and powerful and yet we still have things like pandemics, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the most satisfying answer that I've found. Uh, or maybe not answer, maybe explanation, um, is that we live in a battleground, that we live in between the spiritual battle that's going on. And so the world feels like a battleground. It feels like there's a war raging between the people that are serving complete strangers and putting their lives at risk and showing incredible love and sacrifice, and then evil in the world like, like – um, tornadoes tearing through Chattanooga, right? Like natural evil, um, the world seeming like it's coming apart at the seams, right? Volcanoes exploding. I mean, so there's this, this battle going on, this, um, and we're caught in the conflict, caught in the crossfire. Mm. And that's, that's, I think, the most satisfying explanation for why we see what we see in this world is that we live in the overlapping of the ages and we're caught in the crossfire of a spiritual battle. Yeah. And 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 the overlap of the ages, there's really no time frame, right? I mean, because I hear people, and Alex, I'm not picking on you, but I've heard you say, "Oh, we're in the last days," you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up hearing that all the time. Right. Well, like, Peter last, said we were in the last days two thousand years ago. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so it's like the last days could be the next, maybe another two thousand. Who knows? Right. That's right. So that's right. it's never like one thing. Like, oh, this is the one thing that's gonna. Like, this yeah. is it. Yeah, this is the mistake that every generation makes, right? Every generation thinks they're the last generation. Hmm. And um, and you have people selling their homes and, you know, standing on top of mountains waiting for Jesus to return only to be very disappointed. Or <laughs> people writing books about, you know, 82 reasons why 1982 is the last year yeah. in history or something like that, right? Like, um, this is why every generation makes this mistake. And we just have to be wiser than that. We just have to say, we don't know and nobody really knows. Um, Jesus himself said he didn't know. And so we don't know. And uh, all we can do is just be faithful. And that's our calling is to be faithful, not to know the times or whatever. Yeah. And that that's what I usually get to with a lot of the people that I still interact with where they say things like that, right? Like, oh, <clears throat> you know, we're, we're facing the end of the world or, you know, our religious liberties. I'm like, bro, we're not, you know, we're fine. <laughs> we're fine. Like even and, and like I said, even if that were the case. Nothing were to is supposed. To, nothing will change with the way that we love each other, the way we love God, and we love our neighbor. You know what I mean? Like we would still mm -hmm. continue to do that and practice that, and you know, we we would still be a part of following the Jesus way and and working towards that future that we're all expecting, playing our part to you know, be a part of it now. I'm interested in the in the tension that people must feel when they simultaneously think that this is the most Christian administration the country's ever had <laughs> and the church is persecuted. <laughs> it's like, <Yeah>. what? Which is it? 
yeah we got such a godly president uh, president but yeah we're like the church is like on on its last breath <laughs> yeah i don't get that <laughs> that's a good one. Oh man we maybe we gotta save that one for part three because <laughs> we're already at 54 minutes <laughs> <laughs> wow time flies yeah man i'll yeah. be I'll come back whenever you want. Dude, so, all right, let's just settle it. Like, I need you to be, like, our ongoing theology. Like, the you're the pastor of Still Searching, bro. <laughs> I'll be theologian in residence. Yes, yes. Residency is, is you're, you're, you you will be the, uh, yeah, exactly. You're going to be our theologian. <laughs> TC, man, I, I always appreciate catching up with you. Um, Likewise. It's a pleasure, man. man. It's a pleasure. I, I love everything that you're doing. Um, I just love, uh, your spirit, uh, your family. Um, I love following you guys online and I always regret dude that we didn't hang out more when you were in LA. We still have to talk about Los Angeles, bro. We, we got, we alluded to it in the first episode. That's a whole nother episode. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I have thoughts on LA, man. Lots of thoughts. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a la la land, I guess what they call it. (laughs) <laughs> Alex, it was good to uh, virtually meet you. Likewise, bro. Likewise, I'm. I'll psh, it, look as long as uh, Josh lets me back, bro. I'll be back here. <laughs> I'll be back here. And I, right, I, there's other there's other stuff I I want to ask you also, but you know, like I said, we'll save that for another time. Yeah, I'm telling you, TC. Yeah. Like, but Alex hit me up. He's like, dude, that TC one was like dope. Like, he just enjoyed it. He loved hearing your story, um, and then everything that we were talking about. So. Um, I'm glad we, That's humbling. you know what I mean? I'm glad we, uh, we, we did it and we put it out there and you know, it's, it's, it's floating out there in the airwaves. Anybody can listen to it and hopefully get something out of it. Yeah. It was, uh, it was refreshing hearing, uh, the stuff you were speaking about. Cause, uh, just recently I had been explained to Josh a couple of days ago that, um, I have been set free from something. I don't know exactly what it was, but I literally feel like lighter in my chest area. Mm. like something yep. lifted and and i know what it was <laughs> it wasn't gas it wasn't gas or heartburn either <laughs> it was that gas uh, <laughs> but uh but yeah tc i've been waking up every day and it's like i i even feel it physically and i even in my attitude and and, and it's just this peace and where i'm like literally having these little uh i don't know if you want to call them crying bouts or stuff you know, throughout the day, like randomly, but it's not, I don't feel any pain. I'm not crying it's, for pain. It's, it's your joy. heart getting soft, dude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I had hardened my heart yep. for so long. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's a no, that's feeling. exactly how I felt. That's, you're, you're describing exactly how I felt when I was 16 mm-hmm. and I came to faith, man. It was like God melted my heart. Yeah. And suddenly I could, I could feel emotions again. Yeah. Yeah. And it was beautiful. It was powerful. Yeah. And and I think and I think that we are holistic beings. Mm-hmm. And so what happens to us spiritually happens to us physically too. Right. Mm. And that's why, you know, we can have sensations like feeling lighter. I think that's real. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Even like the opposite is true, right? Like we hold our trauma in our body, in our stress Absolutely. and everything gets like yeah. literally in your body. It's living there. Exactly. The body keeps the score, man. The right. body keeps the score. Yep, that's right. So we gotta get it. Gotta get it. Gotta get it right. Yeah, <laughs> get it right. Get it tight. TC, thank you, brother. Um, My pleasure. Part two is a wrap. We're definitely coming back, man, for another one very soon. Anytime, anytime. 
All right, brother. Happy God bless you. Man. God bless, brother. All right. Peace. Peace. The Iliad is dead. The Odyssey is over. Found God within me. Started searching for Jehovah. What you searching for? Where you focus at? If it's happiness, no one can give you that. It flows from within. It knows all your sins. You can never win. Being envious of other men. Covetousness. It's such a sin, wanting what other people have has become a trend. But don't bow down to the dollar bill, y'all. Commercial consumerism is trying to kill y'all. I'm trying to heal y'all.